0: Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs. And we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online.
1: So I got a question for you today as we begin. The question is, do you remember the last time you were really into something? I mean, you woke up, you were thinking about it. As you fell asleep at night, you couldn't get it off your mind. Do you remember a time when you were really obsessed over something? What about the time you've seen someone obsessed over something? Do you remember like two, three years ago when Pokemon Go came out? And it was this new game that you could do on your phone, but you had to actually physically go to places to capture these little Pokemon. And everybody, it seemed like, was into this. I remember driving downtown Safety Harbor here, close to where we live, and there's a fishing pier. And there's this, there's this little peninsula there where people go out and you can be on the water. And I remember we pulled up there and there was dozens, I'm not exaggerating, like dozens of people walking around, randomly playing this video game in a public space. It was just, it was crazy. Like everyone was obsessed. Do you remember the time that you got obsessed with something? For me, I remember when I first discovered Starbucks chocolate cake pops. Have you ever had one of these things? Like it's unbelievable. It's, it's almost a crime what they do because it tastes so good. And they charge you $2.25 for something that's like this big. I mean, you can eat it in like three bites. So you always feel guilty about ordering one. But every once in a while, I'll get one. And every time I eat it, I think that is the most tasty thing I've ever had in my life. And then I discovered that they have cookie dough variety. <laughs> oh man, it's like too good. If uh, you've ever been obsessed with something, I mean, there's, there's so many things that you have, you know, whether it's a favorite food or a new relationship, maybe it was a game or something that you read or watched. You know, people know all about what it means to chase something, to pursue something that they love. It's part of our humanity. We all understand what I'm talking about here. Before Jesus Christ, a person runs from pursuit to pursuit. Sometimes those things are destructive and bad. Sometimes they're really good things and they even seem good on the outside. But underneath the layer of all those pursuits, there's a selfish pursuit of what's in it for me. Even when I do good things outside of Christ, I'm doing it because it makes me feel good. Like I'm a good person or even just the awareness that it is a good thing. And whatever it is that you're chasing at that point before Jesus Christ, whatever that pursuit is, it really almost always comes back to a self-centered way of living. You're you're free to chase anything you want, but what you chase is usually what you want to chase because there's something in it for you. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, "...for sin shall no longer be your master." We're mastered by sin before Christ because that self-centeredness that's underneath everything, that pride, that what's in it for me, that drives us, it changes when we come to Christ. There's a new direction. There's a new drive. So now I still pursue and I still have this passion, but my passions start to change and shift. My motivations become different. Sin no longer, it says, no longer is my master. It no longer rules over me. It's not my core motivation, what's in it for me. Things start to change. I have a new master. You could say my allegiance has shifted. My, my allegiance has changed when I come to Christ. God has now become my master. And we talk a lot about how God loves us and He's our friend. And maybe you want to write something down here as, as we're beginning this message. And you maybe you want to write down God is my friend and my father. Those things are true. God is my friend and my father but he's also my master. And the reason why this is important when we're talking about our allegiance and our worship to God is because God is not just your friend. And God does not just love you. He he does love you and he is your friend. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not the whole of what the Bible teaches. And sometimes we just hear the message. God loves me. God's my friend. God's my father. Those things are absolutely and fully true. That's the primary thing that you should know about God if you don't know anything else is that God loves you. He's crazy about you, but he's also my master. And if I don't have a proper perspective on where God sits on his throne and and where I am as his servant and my position in my relationship with him, then what can happen is I can hang a Jesus picture on the wall or hang a cross around my neck and I can claim Christianity and even become a follower of Christ. Yeah, it can still be about me. It can still be about you because if you're not aware of the fact that God is your master and he's just your friend, well, friends come along with you when you're doing what you want to do. God loves you. God loves me. He just loves to bless me, so I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. I'm going to keep chasing what I want to chase and pursuing what I want to pursue, and God loves me, and he's going to love me no matter what, and that's an important message, and he's my friend, and he's going to go with me on all these pursuits in my life, and that's, that's a really good message that God is your friend but he's also your master and you're his servant. And it's very easy to carry the baggage of our faithless pursuit of sin into our relationship with God if we're not careful. And what we can do without even realizing it, and I believe many Christians live this way day in, day out, is is they they claim the status of a follower of Jesus, Jesus, yet they're still following the ways of the world. And it can happen so easily to anyone And so today we're gonna talk about God as our master when it comes to our allegiance and how it impacts our faith and how it grows and matures our faith in him. In Luke chapter 17, verse seven, says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and, and, and then after that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, that's not a, that's not a verse that you hear preached on very often, is it? It's like, well, I don't know if I like that. So God is he just using me? It's like I'm just his servant. I just do whatever he wants. Like like what's in it for me? And you can almost hear your flesh rebelling against our, our command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When He say, hey, you're, you're a servant of the Father. And, what, and what, master, what master doesn't ask the servant to serve? But yet there's part of it for us when we're young in our faith that think, well, I'm only in this thing because God blesses me. I'm only in this because I get something out of it. And you said that God loves me and he's my friend. And so I I thought that, you know, I've got a place at the table and he's really there to serve me. And it's very easy to turn things around to where you think you're the master of your life and you are in control of your life. But the fullness of the picture that we see of our relationship with God in the Bible says that he is our master. We are his servants. Now, he is my friend and he is my father, and we're going to come back to that. But although I'm a child of God, I'm also a servant of God. And thankfully, God as a master is for me. He's for me. And so I can live for him and I can serve him. I can be for his kingdom because I know he in the end is all about me. So it's, it's a very circular conversation. But if we leave out the part where we are serving and living for God, I mean, our, our whole faith can become misaligned. And it can become about us again. When it's never been about us, it's always about him. You know, ultimately, when we're finished with this race on this earth, we, we want to hear our heavenly father say this. We want to hear our master say this. Matthew 25, 23. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. That's That's the end goal. Our father says, hey, you did a good job. You, You served me well. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The master has so many wonderful things planned for you. The best is yet to come. He loves to bless his kids. There's so much that God wants to do for you, but it's very hard for him to bless you in the way he wants when you're not living for him and instead still living for self. And many Christians are still living without recognizing it for self because they are still the master practically of their lives. They may have bowed their knee to the Lord and and given their faith to him and pledged their allegiance to him. But practically day to day, they're still pursuing things that they choose to pursue that are for their benefit because they're living, they're living for themselves. They are their own master. And God says, no, for this to work, for me to care for you and bless you and lead you in the way that I need to lead you, you need to bow your knee to me as not only savior, but Lord, Lord and master over all. Have you done that? Do you live that way day to day? Do you wake up with the the ambition of saying, God, my my great ambition is is not for me, but it's for you. It's to serve you. What do you want me to do? When you come to a decision, do you pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? See, our, our holy kingdom ambition should be to please our master, to serve him well to where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness for all of eternity. That's what we should live for. Now the goal of the average person I mean, let's say as someone who doesn't follow Jesus, the goal of the average person is just to, is really to, to please themselves, whatever they want to do, to please themselves. The goal of a servant, the goal of a servant is to please not themselves, but their master. And as a, pre, as a free person, as a free person, and let, let's say prior to, to Jesus Christ, when you were free to do whatever you wanted. You lived to please yourself, but what you probably realized is that in your freedom to do whatever you wanted, you were actually a captive. You were a slave, a servant to sin. And sin was actually your master. But then you recognized the futility of living for sin and selfishness. And I hope you've made that decision. Maybe if you haven't, this is why God wanted you to hear this message today, but many of us are listening, we've. We've made that decision and we've bowed our knee to him as Lord and Savior. And, and now we are no longer a slave to sin, which ruined us. We're now a servant or a slave to Christ. A slave to righteousness, as the Bible says, because we're now following him and living for him. I just want to get real transparent today. and I've, I've never told our church this yet. Yeah, we've been worshiping together for over five years now and I've, I've never told you this, but... I've been in jail multiple times. I was there as a chaplain. So <laughs> take it easy. Don't, don't be judging me right now. Some of you are judging me. You're like, I don't know if I can follow a pastor who's, who's got a rap sheet. Like, what were you in for? Because if it was bad, I'm going to go to another church. <laughs> in college, I had an opportunity to be a, a chaplain in, in a jailer in Indiana. And I, I remember going in there and these, these iron bars that these, these guys were behind it, they were all incarcerated behind these bars, but they were all there for different reasons. They all made choices and their choices led them to captivity. And your your choices, although your choices are different than the person next to you or the the person that lives under the same roof as you do, the Bible tells us that our choices in sin all lead to the same place. Incarceration, captivity, we're slave to sin. And the amazing thing about Jesus and what he's done is he set us free from being a slave to sin the pursuit of what's in it for me, the pursuit of self in this world. Hey, I'm gonna get mine. It's all gonna be about me. It's gonna be there to please me, my kingdom, my glory. Listen, God has come to set us free through his son, Jesus Christ. Set us free from sin. Sin no longer is your master. This is an amazing thing. But it doesn't mean that you no longer have a master. You trade up from one master who was all about your destruction and all about your ruin To a master who's all about your happiness. Who in the end says, come and share your master's happiness. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You follow a master who is for you. So you don't have to live for yourself because when you lived for yourself, you're a captive to sin that ruins you. But when you live to a master who is for you, you find that every one of his ways are for your ultimate good in the end. Romans chapter six is so powerful. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance everybody right now just say allegiance that's right you've come to obey him and you have pledged your allegiance to him verse 18 you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves to righteousness that's amazing So as we've committed our hearts to him and pledged our allegiance to him, we still have a master. Our master is no longer sin. Now our our master is our our savior, and he's come to set us free. So, So it's interesting because when we were technically free to do whatever we want and we did whatever we want, we were actually captive to sin. But then when we submitted ourselves as slaves to righteousness, to God's ways, when he became our master, he actually set us free from captivity, free from sin. Isn't that interesting? How in our, our our flesh, before God opens our heart and our mind to these things, these truths, we have it all backwards. I, mean, you know, I don't want to follow a God who's got these rules and regulations, and I, I just I, there's so much to like do. I just want to do whatever I want. <laughs> so we do whatever we want, and we find that in that pursuit, that drive, where we started today that drive to do whatever I want, to go wherever I want, and to just to live to please myself, it actually enslaved me to sin. But God in his kindness through Jesus, as I made him my master, has set me free, truly free. And I'm free to do what I want, but I choose to submit myself to him as my master because I recognize that in submitting to him, that's where true freedom exists. It's in the context of a relationship with a master who is for me. It's amazing. The truth is that everyone has a master. Now, this, this passage is talking about slavery. It's not promoting slavery in any way. It's speaking to the context of the people that lived in that era and what they understood and how they lived. And, they, and they, they understood what was being talked about here. And they understood the relationship of a master and a slave, a master and a servant. And so the Bible is using, in this context, the original audience is speaking to them in a way that they understand But even in our context, where slavery is not, at least in our community, is not prevalent in the same way that it was in biblical times, we still understand this, don't we? That everybody has a master. And how I put it in your teaching notes is that my allegiance is to whatever has mastered me. My allegiance is to whatever has mastered me. What you desire, what you chase, what you pursue, what you wake up thinking about and and go to sleep at night dreaming about, that's what has mastered you and we're shaped by whatever it is that we worship, whatever we pursue, it starts to shape our heart in our allegiance. Ultimately, our allegiance is shaped by what it is that we're pursuing. What are you pursuing? What has your heart these days? Where have you pledged your allegiance? As you surrender and submit your heart and your life to God, he transforms and changes you because he's a master. He's a master artisan. He knows how to shape you into what he has created you to be to reach your ultimate potential. He's an amazing master. Do do you remember, uh, this has been a few years ago, that master classes became a a thing. And, And they're obviously still around and very popular, but... But you, you'd see stuff on master classes. You can take a master class. You'd have some chef who's, who's world-renowned for what they do, and they're amazing. And, and they put together, you know, like a 12-part series on, hey, if you just watch these 12 lessons, I'm going to teach you how to, how to be a chef like me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you. I'm the master. You're the student. I'm going to teach you how to cook. Or you have like a professional golfer who, who teaches you how to, how to swing and how to putt like they do because they're a master at what they do, and you're the student. See, part of this relationship with God as my master, why it's so important is I'm recognizing and acknowledging something that's so critical. And it's that as God is my master, he's actually better at navigating my life than I am if i allow God to truly be my master and I'll humble myself every day and say, God, you're my master. Lead me, show me. Holy Spirit inside of me as a, as a Christ follower, direct me on how you want me to live. As you live that way, listen, God does some amazing things in your life. He directs you. He leads you in a way that's so much better. Everybody say better. Come on, say better. Yeah, it's so much better than your ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. See, God has wisdom you don't have. He sees things you don't have, and he wants to lead you in a way that's better than you would lead yourself. Remember, when you were free to do whatever you want, when you were driving, when when you were navigating, how did that turn out for you? Where was that ultimately headed? But God, he knows what's best, and he's our our master, and he wants us to live for him. Colossians 3.17 would be a great verse for you to to, to write down and carry with you, to type into your phone and carry it with you throughout this week and just internalize this message and just, just carry it around like you would a backpack this week and, and, and unpack the truths of it throughout this week. It's an amazing verse, Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a great verse. What a great truth. Like, everything I do should be done for the glory of God. Whether word, the things that I speak, how I interact with others. He's my master. I'm surrendered and submitted to him. It's not what I feel like saying. I'm just going to tell my mind. It's, it's, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak life into people because that's what my master would want me to do. The deeds that I do, the things I choose to do, the decisions I make, the commitments that I get engaged in, I'm doing these things because I'm a servant and he's my master and he owns everything. He owns my life. And so I'm saying, Master, how do you want me to manage what you've given me? How do you want me to manage the life you've entrusted me with? The hours that I have been given, the financial resources that I've been given, the talents and the skills that you've put in my hand, the connections and relationships and opportunity. I am all yours. God, how do you want me to manage this life that you've given? You're my master. It's a whole different way of living. See, the decision of who your allegiance is pledged to may be the greatest decision of your life. Because whatever it is that you chase and pursue and give your allegiance to, whatever it is that you give your heart and soul to, it will affect every other relationship decision. It will affect every other decision with your time and your resources, everything about who you are and what you do and where you go and where you're headed. All of it, all of it is impacted by your allegiance, by your ultimate worship. So are you worshiping self? What do I wanna do? Or are you living for a a master, a master who is for you? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, takes this conversation even further. And we see that there's an impact not only in our relationship with God, but how we interact with each other. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. And then here it is. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So he says, whatever position you find yourself in, employee, employer, parent, child, teacher, student, whatever capacity you find yourself in, he says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord, not for people. Serve them well, and not just to win their favor when there's, their eye is on you, but, but when others are not watching, when you're alone, Everything you do should be done for your master in heaven who's watching. That's who your allegiance is pledged to. So although we commit ourselves to people here on this earth, it might be committing to a relationship with someone you love. It might be committing to an employer who provides a paycheck and a place for you to work, which, wow, everyone's so much more thankful after this year about employment. Even that job that you don't like so much. Well, God, thank you that I have a job and there's income. I wanna live grateful for that when you commit yourself into a, a, a contract, whether it's as a, as a student to learn from a teacher so that you can be handed a degree or in a, a business partnership, whatever agreements we enter into here on earth, ultimately our highest agreement and highest allegiance is to our master in heaven. And so even when others are not watching, we say, I'm doing this because there's someone who is watching my life and it's my master, I'm doing it for him. Are you living for him? Are you doing what you do here on earth? Even if you are doing it, at the request of someone else, are you doing it ultimately to please your master? What, what drives you? What, what motivates you? It's so freeing when you live for a master, a master who loves you. See, my allegiance to God motivates how I serve people. I'd encourage you to write that down. My, my allegiance to God, it impacts how I serve people. So whether I'm serving an employer or I'm serving an, a parent, i serving in a, an occupation, a career. Whatever it is that, that you, you do to serve others, you serve in ministry. You're ultimately doing it for one person. You're, you're doing it for your Lord. You're doing it for your master in heaven. And it should impact the way I do it. I should do it to my very best ability. If I have a ministry role, let's say around the church, and I, I have a, a, a role that I've been entrusted with, and I may think, well, that's just a small part of the bigger picture, but it's so important. One, because I'm doing it for God. It's my act of worship to him. And it impacts his kids. It impacts his church family. But I want to do that not just enough to get by. I want to do it my very best. The way I take care of my home, the way I, I work in my, my career, how I do my schoolwork. Listen, all of those things should be impacted because of my relationship with my master. Do everything wholeheartedly wholeheartedly with everything i got whatever you do give it all that you've got because you're serving a master but here's what's crazy god, god god is so kind he rewards his faithful servants but he does so much more than just hey good job good job he invites us into his family what master does this with their servants what master makes his servant an heir to his estate but our our master has said I've adopted you into my family I've I've, I'm treating you now like children in fact in John 15 15 he says I no longer call you servants that's not the label that God has put on your life anymore because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you what friends I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you He's our master, but he's made us his friends. He's he's partnered with us. He's adopted us into his family. Our father in heaven loves us so much. And think about how crazy that is. A servant becoming a child of the great king. One more verse today, Ephesians 6, 9. It says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no favoritism with him. Notice that God is saying, my relationship with my father should impact all of my other relationships. It should impact how I treat my children or my spouse. It should impact how I treat other students or friends, coworkers, neighbors. It should impact every human relationship because this this relationship with the divine where he's my master, I'm submitted to him and because he's in control and because I'm living to please him, every other relationship, I'm in it for something different. I'm not in it for me. I'm not in it to get something out of it. I'm in it for one reason, because I wanna please God. I wanna love others because he has first loved me and I loved him. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So it changes the whole paradigm, how I live, changes my entire perspective. And I I summarize it in this final lesson this way. I express my allegiance to God by how I treat others. That's how I live out my allegiance to God. It's how I treat others. How are you treating people around you? And, and let's just, I don't want this to be a time where you feel down about yourself. If you lost your temper this week and yelled at somebody or maybe you've just been really frustrated at some other people in your life or maybe a whole group of people, this is certainly a season of division and maybe you've just written off a whole part of society. I just can't stand those people, whoever those people are in this, in this case. But i to remind you that how your master has treated you should impact how you treat all those people. And so maybe you feel like, man, I haven't been the kind of person I want to be. Let me just ask a question. Is it possible that you're in those relationships for the wrong reasons? It doesn't mean you shouldn't be in those relationships. In fact, maybe you should be more all in to some of those relationships. But the point is, if you're in it for what's in it for you, that's going to create friction. Because if I'm in this relationship for what I get out of it, what I get from you, if you let me down and disappoint me, then I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. But if I'm in this relationship to give, not to get, I'm in this relationship to serve because I'm ultimately trying to please someone else, it's gonna change the entire relationship. So let me ask you as we wrap up this message for you, how do you need to reapproach the things in your life that you're pursuing? the things that you're chasing, the relationships that you're in. What's maybe one thing today? One one thing that that God may be putting on your heart today, you're saying, you know what? In this area of my life, I've still been the master. Where we started today, it's really I'm pursuing it because I want to. There's something in it for me to get, to gain. And I want to change that today. I wanna put God where he truthfully is and where he deserves to be in my life and that's as master and Lord. What is that space in your life? Something you've been chasing. And listen, you probably know what it is and you're probably guarding it right now. You're, You're probably holding it as far as you can away from this area of conviction because it takes surrender and it often takes sacrifice because that thing that you're holding on to most tightly is the thing that is probably most, most hindering your worship and your true freedom. In fact, you think you're holding on to it, but it's holding on to you. What is it that you need to be freed up from? That you need to say, God, I've been holding on to this so tight, this means so much to me, but honestly, you mean more. And I haven't been living that way, and so God, I surrender it to you today. That doesn't mean that God necessarily wants you to give it up. You'll have to pray that through, but most likely what it means is that you're gonna have to hold it differently. Instead of this is about me, saying, God, I'm just a manager for you, this is about you. How do you want me to live? How do you want me to love? Because it's not about me. You're the master, I'm not the master. What's that one thing you've been pursuing that you need to surrender to him this week? As you do that and as you mature in your faith and as you put God first in your life in every area, you will see amazing freedom that you may have never experienced before. And I'm telling you, it's so much better than being a slave to sin. Be set free by your Savior, by surrendering to him today, and see the freedom that he brings into your life. Right on? Right on. Hey, let's pray together. Hey, God, we're so grateful for the fact that you've set us free through, through Jesus Christ. You, you've given us immense freedom as we follow you, and so, God, today as we pray, I, I pray that, that that one thing that's on our heart and our mind, that thing that we've been pursuing and chasing that we need to surrender to you. I pray that right now in this moment, maybe some just wanna open up their palms toward heaven and just say, God, I, I'm giving that to you, that thing, that obsession, I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of that. I'm loosening my grip because really it had a grip on my soul and I couldn't love and I couldn't serve the way that I need to be freed up to love and serve because I've been holding on so tightly. And so right now in this moment, just, just raise your palms toward heaven and just say, God, I, I surrender that to you. I give it to you. Here symbolically, right now in this moment, God, it's yours. My life is yours. Be the manager of my life. Be the master of my life. Because, God, you can lead me so much better than I can lead myself. And while we're still praying, I just want to take a moment. Maybe there's someone here today who recognizes I have not given my life to Jesus. I've been living for myself. I'm not a servant of his. He's not my master. I'm the master. I've never bowed my knee. I've never asked for the forgiveness of my sins. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned. We all know what that feels like and experience that. We have all been a slave to sin. But the Bible tells us that not only is the wages of sin death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you'll receive him into your heart right now, he will set you free. And so I'm going to pray and just give you a moment right now. While many others are praying and asking God to take that, whatever it is in their life, to free them, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him into your heart right now. And you can do that by just simply saying, God, I... I recognize that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. So please forgive me of my sins. I recognize that my sin has consequences. Spiritual death, separation from you for all of eternity. So I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ who died on a cross for me and I receive you into my life right now. I bow my knee to you as my master. I wanna be your servant, but I also wanna be your kid. And as you're still praying, I just wanna assure you that God hears your prayer in heaven. If you pray it genuinely, he is right there to hear your prayer and he's adopted you into his family. God, thank you so much for the lives that are being changed, for those who are taking steps today. And God, as we surrender more of our life to you as our master, we're so grateful that as we live for you, we can have this awareness that you are for us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. It's in your name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.
2: Call me-